Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. And we are here on Cats and Cosby. John Katsimatidis off today, maybe joining us later on in the show. This is Rita Cosby, also joined by Judge Richard Weinberg, our common sense Democrat and a common sense Republican, former deputy New York City mayor, Rudy Washington. Uh, first guys, I can't, I just came back. I just got off a plane a couple uh, minutes ago, it seems. Uh, I was at the first annual Salute to American Heroes celebrity concert in Florida, honoring our great troops and supporting um, those who are fighting with PTSD. So it was just a beautiful weekend. And boy, am I worried now about what's happening with this huge news that now there is a U.S. nuclear sub and it's being advertised all over the place uh, in the Middle East. What do you think of that, Rudy Washington? Wow. Well, once again, this is, uh, you know, they're sending a signal to Iran, obviously. I think it's probably positioned within striking distance, very short distance. However, you know, you have submarines attached to every uh, task group that's out there, and I believe we have four now in the area. So you already have submarines, but now they're highlighting this as a way to send a message. But Does that make up for the uh, years of appeasement? Is that what they're trying to do, Rudy? Uh, Rita, I, I'm, I, I'm heartbroken to say this, but I'm not convinced that we do anything and we put on a big show. And, uh, as, as, uh, I think the judge and I was talking and the judge brought to my attention about what we have, uh, several military soldiers, uh, injured. 40, 45 have been injured, which is twice the number admitted by, by the, uh, Pentagon. This is very serious stuff. How many, how many people have to be injured? How many have to die of our guys being hit by Hezbollah or the Udis or any of these other groups that are controlled by Iran. We have to wake up. We have to, we have to do something. Yeah, we sure do. And, and at meantime, you got all these Rashida Tlaibs, uh, blasting President Joe Biden saying he's being too aggressive. I mean, they were calling him Genocide Joe over the weekend. Rashida Tlaib is the biggest apologist for a, a Jewish genocide for the destruction of the state of Israel. It's absolutely shameful. And she has not been repudiated by any substantial number of her Democratic colleagues, it's which is disgusting. even more shameful. It is disgusting. Well, joining us now, we have Professor Alan Dershowitz. And also, I understand we have the great John Katzenmatidis also calling in. Uh, John, let's first go to you. Your reaction to, boy, all these protests around the country and now a nuclear sub that they're telegraphing uh, is in the well, Middle East, a U.S. sub. Well, whether we have nuclear subs in the Middle East, uh, uh, they were always there, and they're always assigned, a like uh, uh, Rudy said, uh, to the uh, aircraft uh, uh, carriers. So they're there. Um, uh, but we, I think we have a big mess in our hands, and uh, I'm very, very much concerned. And uh, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not good, Rita. It's- I'm in South Carolina. I'll be back uh, uh, late tonight, and uh, 
I'll be back in the office tomorrow and be with you uh, live in the studio tomorrow. Yeah, and also, by the way, tomorrow is election day. Uh, so, John, I'm so glad you're going to be back, back here. To vote. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I was like, I got to get back to vote. Every vote counts. You know that, John. Boy. Um, and, and I just want to remind everybody too, early voting has closed. They had early voting. I hope everybody got out because you can't bank you're going to be out tomorrow, but the polls open at 6 a.m. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Um, so many big races and also Virginia too. Uh, Ohio, there's some other ones all over the country. Uh, Professor Dershowitz, I know you're joining us too. Uh, what, what do you make of all these massive protests and what Judge Weinberg just talked about? Rashida Tlaib, uh, is out there over the weekend blasting the president and inspiring. It looks like it, there were tens of thousands of people protesting outside the White House this weekend. And, and she was proclaiming Palestine will be free from the river to the sea. She said that's only aspirational. What does it mean aspirational? Hitler's goal to get rid of all the Jews was only aspirational. It was German for the Germans, wasn't it, Alan? Until he did it, yeah. And, you know, these signs, clean the world of Jews, comes right out of Nazism. These are Hitler's youth. These are people marching today, but tomorrow they'll be joining the terrorists who are attacking your schools, your institutions. If it's not stopped, that's coming to a theater near you. Israel is the small devil. America is the big devil. Scratch these people a little bit, and you'll find virulent anti-Americanism in them, including in members of the squad in Congress. And I have to tell you again, I will support financially and campaign for any Republican who votes against any, runs against any member of the squad. That's the way to defeat them at the, at the polls. Everybody should vote tomorrow, and a year from now, maybe we'll see some opposition to these uh, anti-American, anti-Semitic, anti-Israel fools. Professor, this is Rudy Washington. Uh, you know, when you when you go into Congress, you swear an oath to the Constitution and to America. I think when we get away from this moment, we should have a serious discussion about what that means and who can serve. I mean, because I'm conflicted now when I see people who openly hate America, uh, hate our capitalist system, uh, you know, spew hate toward Israel and any other country. I'm conflicted about them, that individual no, or those individuals. You, you know, the, the other myth, somehow Israel is only fighting Hamas, not the people of Gaza. It's just false. The vast majority of the people of Gaza strongly support Hamas. Many of them support them materially. And there's also a statute in the United States which makes it a crime for anyone to lend to lend material support to Hamas. Hamas is a designated terrorist organization. That includes giving advice. It includes giving money. I don't know whether it includes the stepdaughter of the vice president of the United States. We'll have to find out more against the Gaza charity that she contributes to and has raised millions of dollars for to find out whether that money is really going to Hamas because anything that goes into the Gaza Strip ends up in the pockets of Hamas leaders. We now know that six Hamas leaders are worth over a billion dollars with bank accounts in Qatar and Turkey and other places. So, you know, the idea that you can contribute to Gaza without contributing materially to a terrorist organization is is a real, real question. But, you know, I worry about I worry about the future of America more than I do about Israel. Israel will be able to defend itself. I worry about the future of a country whose students are engaged in these kinds of Demonstrations. Yeah, they have a free speech right. So did the Nazis. 
who march through Skokie, that doesn't mean we have to agree with their free speech. And universities have a major role to play. I don't know if you saw Bill Ackerman, the billionaire who went yep. to Harvard, has written this brilliant letter. Yeah, the one dollar pledge. He's saying he's only gonna he's getting them all to donate one dollar. I want to bring in um John Katzimatidis. John, you know, it is so it is stunning to see uh, colleges and teachers galvanizing and and here's Bill Ackerman saying he's pulling the money he's going to give one dollar I think and asking everybody only to give a dollar until these colleges yeah. change their ways John I think he's I'm giving a right half thing. dollar I yeah, say I say a dollar's too much doing the right thing guys because the fact is that uh, when did these colleges do these things colleges are supposed to be open minded. Both sides of the story have to be told and let each student make up their own decision. Well, that stopped a long time ago. But it's finally, it's good that we're finally putting our foot down. Yeah, I agree. Professor Dershowitz, your thoughts. I I agree with John, putting the foot down. The first step has to be to abolish diversity, equity, and inclusion programs and to abolish race-based education and ethnic departments, these are the hotbeds of anti-Semitism. Harvard, Yale, all those schools are hiring bureaucracies of anti-Semites, putting them into these programs of equity, inclusion, and and, and uh, whatever the rest of it is. It's nonsense. And, and by the way, the diversity, equity, and inclusion explicitly excludes Jews. They're not supposed to be included. It also excludes uh, Asian Americans. It's only for African Americans and other designated privileged minorities. And um, it's affected the curriculum. It's affected the faculty. It's affected who's selected as presidents of universities today. Universities are self-destructing. They are destroying themselves. And we have to do something about it. We care about universities. I'm not giving a dollar to Harvard or to Yale or to uh uh, to uh, any of these schools. I'm going to wait to see what schools have the courage to stand up against this. It doesn't mean you have to censor them. It means you have to answer them. The president of Harvard will not say that the 32 student groups that blamed the rapes and the beheadings on Jews and Israel, she won't say that they're wrong. She can say they have a right to express themselves, but she can also add that they're wrong in what they're saying, but she won't do it. Absolutely. By the way, uh, Professor Alan Dershowitz, we also have John Katzimatidis, too, who is remote in South Carolina, as you heard. I want to make sure I ask both of you guys about the other big news today. President Trump uh-huh. was on the stand in New York, and boy, did it get contentious uh, yeah. between the judge, Judge Engeron, who you know, Judge Weinberg. I do. I know him well. uh, he, he would not let him speak. He starts talking, and he said, uh, we don't need a political stump speech. Could you, you know, I just want a yes or no answer. Uh, he judge- also wouldn't let them file motions. He said, we're not going to let you file motions. He finally backed away on that. Yeah. Look, this it's so obvious this is a political trial. And, and the attorney general of New York proved it by her own actions today. The fact of the matter is uh, Justice Ngoran could easily let him say whatever he wanted to say because it's a bench trial and it could take the testimony for whatever it's worth, Alan. Sure. Did, sure. There's no reason to cut him off other than to have an agenda to cut him off. Yeah, and he said, I, I don't want to hear a political stump speech. Then Alina Haba, his attorney, comes in and says, he's allowed to speak. He is on the stand. He is testifying and is, you know, to defend himself. And then he scolded her. It just seems so transparent. 
Uh, and to me, it seemed un-American. I use the phrase, it seemed like a Soviet trial. And the judge forgot one word. When he testifies, he testifies to do and give the whole truth, not just a version of the truth, the whole truth. And the whole truth should permit him to say what he wants to say. As you say, particularly in a bench trial, the judge can say, I ignore that. I don't believe it. I disregard it. But the whole truth means, I mean, they say, oh, he didn't answer yes or no questions. Nobody should ever answer yes or no questions on the stand. The best answer to a yes or no question is, Your Honor, I'm sorry, I cannot give a truthful, whole truth answer, yes or no, to that question. I have to elaborate and explain. And judges generally understand that. Some don't. Some are reversed on appeal when they don't. But this is such a political trial. It's so obvious. And again, we hear the attorney general giving a press statement before he takes the witness stand, criticizing him in anticipation of him taking the witness stand, and then ask the television camera to focus on her rather than on him. Uh, What the heck is she doing? uh, Professor, you know, my, my frustration with the legal system goes back to Trump being impeached because I was pissed off that the Supreme Court had not opined and stepped in and said, wait a minute, you know, you're violating everybody's rights here. You're not giving a, a, a fair and fruitful uh, argument for the president. Uh, what was it, a two-day trial, and they impeached him, and everybody's silent, and then you get the FBI going in front of the FISA court and mm-hmm. proving to Look. have forced search warrants, and Roberts don't call them out. He's, he's the judge that was supposed to do that. And hold them in contempt. And nothing happened. I agree. And that's why, look, the last two books I wrote, one, Get Trump, pretty relevant. And the other, The War Against the Jews, that's coming out in a few weeks. Very relevant. Uh, I'm going to keep writing. I thought I was going to retire. But the world won't let me. There are so many injustices (laughs) going on today that I have to keep writing. I don't know what my next book will be. And I just wake up every morning saying, oh, my God, what other disasters will strike this country that I have to write about. Let me bring in John Katzmatidis. John, your thoughts. It's strictly political, and and it's very, very sad that we have to go through this whole charade. And uh, look, it's just the American people have to realize that, you know, enough is enough. And let the election decide who's the winner and who who's the loser. Yeah, it just seems so transparent. I agree, John. I mean, to not let the former president of the United States, President Trump, uh, leading candidate on the GOP side to speak, it just seemed, it, there was something, it just seemed so un-American. It seemed so unseemly. At his trial, too. Yeah, at his trial, where he's defending himself. She finally gets him on the stand, you know. She's been trying for this, and wow. Uh, thank you so much, Professor Alan Dershowitz. We love having you on. And John, can you stick with us for a little bit? I'll be on. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you, Professor. We love you, John. Stick with us. Everybody, we're going to a break, and we're going to talk about the big races that are coming up. Who will keep you safe? Who will defend law and order? We're going to talk about that after the break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Rita Cosby here in studio. John Katz joining us remotely. Also in studio, Judge Richard Weinberg and former New York City Deputy Mayor under Rudy Giuliani. 
Rudy Washington related to George Washington, as John always says, right? Rudy's smiling there. Um, and joining us now because tomorrow is election day. I hope all of you voted, uh, by the way, because early voting this time around, we had a lot of chances to get in there early. But tomorrow, the polls open up in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, 6 a.m., and joining us to talk about the big issues, because law and order is on the ballot, as John said so aptly in that PSA that we've been hearing on WABC Radio and elsewhere. you got to vote for who is going to keep you safe. And joining us now is the great host of The Other Side of Midnight every night starting at 1 a.m. on WABC Radio, Frank Morano. Uh, Frank, who, who should people vote for if they're saying, if they haven't voted yet and they're going in, who do we need to make sure is on, uh, gets the vote this go-round? Well, look, I think if you look at uh, the competitive races, and there looks like there are going to be four or five that could potentially be very tight, the starkest contrast between The two candidates that have a chance of winning is in this race in the Bronx, where you have the incumbent Democrat, Marjorie Velasquez, who represents a district that Curtis Lewa actually won. So you know the voters there, while they may be registered Democrat, they care a lot about law and order. The Republican in this race, Christy Marmorado, has a real chance of winning. And uh, that is, I think, the race where there's the biggest difference between uh, law and order and essentially anarchy. There are some other races, for instance, the 43rd Council District in Brooklyn, the Democrat, the Republican and the conservative, they all are kind of in the same place when it comes to law and order. So I don't know that uh, whomever wins that race, you could really be seeing as uh, anti-cop. The race that uh, everybody's watching, though, is also in Brooklyn. That's the 47th Council District. We have Justin Brannon, who's running for reelection against a fellow council member, Ari Kagan. Kagan was a Democrat, was elected as a Democrat. He switched parties. He's now a Republican. This is a race that I don't think anybody ever expected to be as close as it is. Brannon has, uh, if he should have been cruising to an easy reelection, he has so mishandled both the migrant issue and the issue of these pro-Palestinian protests in his district. And he's now being attacked by his own Democratic county leader, which is amazing when you think about both Brannon and the chairperson in Brooklyn are both pretty good allies of uh, Mayor Eric Adams. So it's fascinating to watch. But the, the point you made, Rita, about how how many days we have had of early voting is such a good one. And I hope the state legislature learns from this election because there have been nine days of early voting at a cost of over seven and a half million dollars to the taxpayer. Wow. And in a city of five point one million registered voters, 85,000 of them showed up to vote over these nine days of early voting. And I think the state legislature needs to ask, do we need nine days of early voting for anything other than the presidential race? And you think about it, is this the best use of our taxpayer dollars at a time when we're really stretched to the limit because of the migrant issue and everything else? Yeah, no, that's a great thing. John Katsimatidis, you have a question for Frank Morano? No, so... Early voting, I think Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, four days is enough. If you can't make it Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, that's it. I mean, 
I completely agree. I mean, I think maybe the exception might be the presidential race because of the massive turnout. But for everything else, to think that we spent seven and a half million dollars on a race and got about one percent uh, turnout and then we're going to spend another seven and a half million dollars tomorrow to administer the general election. It makes no sense. Now, again, this is new. I don't want to be overly critical, but the state legislature and the governor need to learn the lesson of this year's uh, this year's election. So, Frank Morano, what about also the ballot stuffing saga this is like the wildest story in bridgeport connecticut you see the video and it looks like uh, they're stuffing the ballots and a judge said this has to be looked at talk about that one (laughs) this is absolutely wild it's not quite unprecedented but it's almost unprecedented if people haven't followed this case there was a democratic primary for mayor of bridgeport connecticut on september 12th and uh, now a judge has ruled that they have to have a new primary so what happened here is the incumbent mayor, Joe Ganim, who has a kind of a colorful history himself, won the September primary by 200. Wait, he was in jail, votes. wasn't he? He was. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's a very right. colorful that's, background. That's exactly right. <laughs> so he won this primary by 251 votes. But the challenger, John Gomez won the primary if absentee ballots are set aside. So the video cameras, as you mentioned, showed that some individuals dropped dozens of absentee ballots into the city's drop boxes for absentee ballots. But the state law in Connecticut doesn't permit anyone except the voter to deposit an absentee ballot into a drop box with a couple of exceptions. But So now here's what's going to happen. They're going to do over the Democratic primary, but, and this is where it gets really wild, The primary is going to take place after the general election. So the general election is going to proceed uh, tomorrow on November 7th, and the primary is going to be held afterwards on a date not yet set. So presumably, if Mayor Ganim is elected tomorrow and and if the primary is held afterwards and he also wins that, then he'll be considered reelected. If the general election is won by Ganim tomorrow, but then he loses the Democratic primary afterwards, then a new general election is going to need to be held. But I think it illustrates the dangers of ballot harvesting. And you got to be careful when it comes to how these absentee ballots are handled. You know, I follow Atlantic City politics pretty closely, too. And this goes on all the time out there. And it's something that I don't think a lot of people are necessarily aware of. You also follow the blackjack out there, too, I think, right? (laughs) (laughs) Far more than my wife would like, yes. Maybe more the craps table, but yes. All right. Frank Murado, thank you. And uh, John, stick with us. We're going to now move to New Jersey to Bob Hugan. He is, of course, the New Jersey Republican State Committee Chairman. And, uh, Bob, great to have you here on Cats and Cosby. This is Rita Cosby, John's remote. We also have Judge Weinberg and also Rudy Washington. Uh, tell us what to look for in New Jersey because a big election day there. I know polls open 6 a.m. and close at 8 p.m. in New Jersey tomorrow. Big A big day, Rita. Thanks so much. Uh, great Great job, great conversation you've been having with Frank and others. Um, I got a lot of views on the early voting stuff. We're 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 even more egregious in New Jersey. You can vote in September by vote by mail, and we have and we have ten days of early voting that ended uh, yesterday, and then we have tomorrow's election day. And but you know the thing is, the first thing is you cannot change the, the rules if you don't win elections, and so. Tomorrow is about winning. And the, the issue tomorrow is going to be turnout. There are people projecting turnout to be as low as 25% because we have our entire state Senate, entire assembly up for a re-elect, or up for election. 
And that's the top of the ballot. That's the top of the ticket. No Congress, no federal elections, no governor, no president. And so it's really the most important election in the, in the state because that's really the direction of the state. And we're on the verge of a great victory. But to give you a sense of how important turnout is, 5,000 votes could separate from a good outcome and a red wave. That's how, that's how turnout wow. influences the election. 5,000 votes. Can you imagine that? And changing the whole outcome of the state, direction of the state. That's why we got to get people out to vote. And these Democrats are just getting the vote by mail. And we're, we're doing better at it. But it's crazy. It's just crazy. It is crazy. Uh, John Katsimatidis, do you have a question for Bob Hugan? Well, how does the scoreboard look in, uh, in uh, New Jersey? I mean, uh, uh, are we saving the whales? What else is going on that, uh, well, that could happen? Well, hey, John, you saw that finally Orsted pulled out of the thing after Rhode Island got rid of it months ago. And our, our nutcase people on the far left are still pushing it after the, they've given away so much money to foreign ener- entities industrializing the ocean. And then they tried, to, they tried to stop the public announcement of the cancellation of the project until after the November election. But because of the public company, they had to disclose it. And and so the Democrats were all running around trying to say, well, I wasn't really for this now or we're going to still make it work. It's just crazy. But tomorrow we're 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 going after seven seats, which would give us a majority. We're defending one and a half to two seats. So we're, we have a much better opportunity this year to be finally on the offensive. We still don't have the money the Democrats have been pouring into it. But when you're when you have the issues on your side, that's so far much more important. And we've got the issues on our side. Absolutely. Uh, if, you know, if I thought we needed the energy, but we don't need that energy. It's not going it, to. It's not going to give us that much more energy where it's worth getting hurting our environment, killing the whales, and killing a lot of birds through those. Uh, oh my God! Uh, yeah, turbines and, and raising utility costs. If we just let he, Governor Murphy will not allow one cubic meter additional of natural gas into New Jersey. If we would just let a little more natural gas in, we figure out how we get modular nuclear plants going again, we could have so much cheaper energy and cleaner energy, but they want to put their head in the sand and want to have this progressive virtue signaling and not care about people's pocketbook or care about technology. When it's not ready for prime time, it's not ready. That's the reason why it's failing. And let's be smart about it. Let's let's transition our economy and our, our environment in the right way. Yep, and protect so, our whales in the process too. Yeah, exactly, wow, what a exactly. mess! We don't need it. Yep, we don't need it. What a mess! Well, Bob Hugan, I am so glad that you joined us here. And everybody, get out and vote. Uh, polls open in Please. New Jersey at six a.m. Uh, till eight p.m. tomorrow. New York six a.m. to nine. Connecticut six a.m. to eight. Everybody, get out uh, and make sure that your vote, as you just heard, such a narrow margin. Bob, thank you. Great to be with you guys. Good luck. Look forward to giving you a very positive report tomorrow. Good. We can't wait to hear it, Bob. Thank you so much. And go ahead, Ruth. Rita, you know, I've been voting. The only time I missed voting was when I was away at school. Um, And I've voted in every election. I never recall having a problem voting. All right? So this having a whole month of voting or 10 days of voting makes zero sense. Jimmy Carter was part of a a commission. I don't know who the other person was, Judge. I don't know if you can remember. But 20, about 20, 25 years ago, they studied this, this whole question of uh, having all these days early voting. And they said it would lend itself to corruption. 
Well, keep it keep it to a few days. Keep it tight, but at least give the option to have more than one election day. But you're, you're right. It can't be an election year. Good no. point. We're going to have a lot more ahead, everybody. Congressman Mike Lawler is going to talk about the New York races. Also talking about funding for Israel and the latest with some of these protests. A lot more ahead on Cats and Cosby. You're commuting home with Cats and Cosby. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. So where are things headed in the Middle East, especially with so much going on in Israel? Now, again, U.S. telegraphing that we have a nuclear sub with Tomahawk missiles uh, that is now in the Middle East and letting the world know that as they're worried of what's going to happen with Iran and everything else. Joining us now is Congressman Michael Lawler from the great state of New York. And uh, Congressman, great to have you here. This is Rita in studio. John's joining us remotely. And we also have Judge Richard Weinberg and also Rudy Washington. No relation to George Washington. I'm not yes. sure, though. Yes. Oh, yes. All right. Partially. All right. <laughs> A former deputy mayor, of course, of New York City. Congressman, where is this headed? Uh, why do you think they sent this very clear message that there's U.S. military might and to say we've got a nuclear sub right there that arrived, I guess, uh, 24 hours ago? Well, look, obviously, Israel is our closest ally in the Middle East and uh, in many respects, the world. Uh, they are a beacon of freedom and democracy and the United States must stand shoulder to shoulder with them. Uh, a few weeks ago, President Bush, uh, 43, uh, said, you know, that uh, the world stands with Israel right now in the aftermath of the terrorist attacks. But the moment Israel defends itself, you'll see uh, a bunch of people turn on them. And, and that's what's happening. And you're seeing it around the globe, uh, but you're also seeing it in the United States uh, and in the halls of Congress. Uh, people like Rashida Tlaib, who are just vile and disgusting uh, and have no business serving in Congress, uh, you know, joining in in this uh, chant from the river to the sea, which is nothing more than uh, code for eradicating Israel and wiping it off the face of the earth. Uh, and uh, we need to be resolute in our support of Israel. I think, obviously, the administration uh, is moving as, as much uh, military support as it can uh, to try and uh, prevent uh, other would-be, uh, you know, aggressors from getting involved. Uh, obviously, sending a clear message to Hezbollah and others uh, not to do anything uh, and to stand down. And I think, uh, obviously, uh, we would we don't want to see this escalate, but uh, we need to be prepared. You're dealing with terrorists. You're dealing with terrorist organizations, Hamas. Uh, which is backed by Iran, uh, is hell-bent on wiping Israel off the face of the earth. The idea that there's somehow going to be a ceasefire, uh, the only way this ends is with the eradication of Hamas or their complete and total surrender. But that's what they're pushing uh, for. This administration, you know, uh, Congressman Lawler, is pushing for at least a, quote, temporary pause, whatever you want to call it. And and they've Look, look how much money that they have allowed Iran to make in, in oil sales. I mean, they haven't done the well, sanctions. They, I mean, it's like, how do you think they're funding the war? Mike, well, it's, is, yep. it's Richard Weinberg. Good to talk to you again. I'll tell you what concerns me. You have a former president of the United States, Obama, who got us into this mess with his Iran deal in the first place, which never should have been there. And Trump rightfully set it aside. 
they've removed the sanctions with with Biden. And now Obama is talking about moral equivalency between the victims of this genocide, this terrorist attack, and the people who've promulgated this terrorist attack. He has no moral compass, our former president of the United States. What say you? Well, I I listened to his uh, remarks the other day and just was sat there in stunned disbelief. There's no moral equivalency here. Uh, The only oppressor of the Palestinian people is Hamas and the Palestinian Authority. Uh, They have oppressed their own citizens. They have used them as human shields. Uh, You saw the video today of uh, rockets at a school. Uh, These people are uh, barbaric. Uh, And the United States needs to be resolute. We need to be clear. Uh, And there, there is no opportunity for pause or ceasefire. You're not dealing with rational people. You're dealing with people who want to eliminate Israel and the Jewish people. They don't believe they have a right to exist. Uh, you know, the, what they did on October 7th, butchering, murdering women, children, babies, slaughtering them, burning them, beheading them, putting them in an oven. Uh, these are not people that you can deal with rationally. And when you hear Hamas, uh, you know, leaders saying they will not abide by a ceasefire, that this is just the beginning of the attacks on Israel uh, I don't know in, in what world uh, people think a ceasefire is going to solve the problem here. The only way to solve the problem is to eliminate Hamas. Yeah, they said they want to annihilate Israel and, and there'll be many more of these, you know, October 7th attacks. It's it's so frightening. Congressman Lawler, um, let's bring in a John Katsimatidis. John, your thoughts. Well, I just want to straighten out one thing. Mike, uh, Congressman, you've got to know, Iran paid 10,000 killers. They paid him $10,000 a family to go out and kill Israelis. $10,000 a family for 10,000 killers is $100 million, which is Trump change for Iran. But not only did they kill the Israeli families, it created a a problem for the 2 million Palestinian families. So terrorism created a problem for both sides. I mean, there was peace for 15 years. And the reason that they went to war is Saudi Arabia and Israel were going to do a treaty. Now, Iran, it goes back to the Shiites and the Sunnis. Iran did not want a treaty. So they pressed the button, paid 10,000 assassins off that created the whole problem in the Middle East. This this has been uh, a big challenge, obviously. It's why the Abraham Accords were so critical to normalize relations between Israel and Arab-majority countries, with the crown jewel being getting Saudi Arabia to the table. Uh, Iran is the biggest state sponsor of terrorism. They have been backing Hamas and Hezbollah and other terrorist organizations for years uh, to serve as their puppet in their effort to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. I last week passed uh, a bill, the SHIP Act, which would apply secondary sanctions on Iranian petroleum. This administration, the Biden administration, has not been enforcing uh, the sanctions on Iranian petroleum uh, by listing the the purchasers of Iranian uh, oil, as as the Trump administration did. 
Uh, we're talking of uh, between 30 and $60 billion in revenue that Iran has received over the last uh, two and a half years, 59% increase in Iranian oil sales during Joe Biden's administration. The, these funds are used to fund terrorists. Go ahead, John. It's more than that. Under President Trump, they're doing 400,000 barrels a day. Now they're doing three and a half million barrels a day at $100 a barrel. It's $2 billion a week. That's a stunning amount. There is, there is no question uh, that they have increased their production. This administration has allowed that by not enforcing the sanctions. And you talked about Iran paying uh, folks to kill uh, Jews. The Palestinian Authority still has their pay-to-slay policies, which is, you know, under President Trump, the Taylor Force Act uh, was uh, signed into law to ban uh, any uh, aid to the Palestinian Authority so long as they have these pay-to-slay policies in place. The Biden administration eased up on that. This is, this is totally insane. Uh, we need to recognize the threat posed by Iran, by these terrorist organizations in the Middle East, uh, and we need to be resolute in our support of Israel. When you hear members of Congress, when you hear these students marching in the street, uh, chanting from the river to the sea, and they don't know the first damn thing about what is going on over there, and many of them, by the way, these, these woke progressive students uh, they would be stoned and murdered over there for their political views. Yeah, that, that's the irony of it all. <laughs> yes, the, yes. We, we have um, Rudy Washington has a real quick before, question. Before you run, Congressman, um, I'm, I'm beginning to really be impressed with your new speaker. Uh, and you guys passed, what was $14 billion uh, to um, give to Israel? What game yeah. is the Senate playing between McConnell and Schumer? And uh, just real quick, if you could, Congressman. Yeah, the, the, the Senate is looking to pass the president's request of over $100 billion in aid for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and disaster relief. Uh, the speaker put forth a aid package uh, solely for Israel and paid for uh, by rescinding some of the, uh, the IRS funding. Uh, so, you know, this is obviously going to be a, a negotiation between the House and the Senate. But the bottom line is we need to get Israel the $14.3 billion in support. Uh, to ensure that they have the resources and military equipment they need to defend themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Congressman Mike Lauro, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take thank care. you. And now we have with us uh, New York Post columnist Miranda Devine, uh, who wrote a really powerful column. As we were talking about Trump before, what's going on in the Biden front? Miranda, uh, take it away, because uh, Hunter wrote a column saying, you know, things Hello. are getting politicized. Hello. Hello. We're checking Miranda's audio real quick here, you guys. But, um, Rudy, you know, we were just talking about uh, Miranda did a very powerful column about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and how Hunter says, oh, this is all being politicized. His addictions are being weaponized. Woe is me. Uh, where do you see it headed with Joe Biden? Or do you think uh, just Trump is overpowering everything right now? Well, it's not just Trump. It's uh, what's happening in the Middle East also. Um, but I haven't been happy at the pace at which this has been going. Um, I'm looking at the destruction of our country uh, with open borders. Uh, we had uh, an FBI director last week basically tell America, prepare to be attacked. 
Um, you know, and we and we continuing to let people just flow into the country. We have a, a big crowd of ten thousand on the way here. By the time it reaches America, it'll probably be closer to fifteen thousand that invades the border again. What are we doing? We're doing nothing. So I'm not happy with the pace in which this whole proceeding is moving. Yeah, absolutely. We got Miranda Devine again. Now, Miranda, your thoughts where this is headed with Joe Biden and Hunter. Well, look, I think that uh, we're basically seeing James Comer now and the entire House Republicans with their new speaker are invigorated. You saw that in the last uh, video and the latest tranche of damning documents that they've produced, bank records. Um, so I think uh, with James Comer says this is going to be a big week tomorrow. Uh, they'll bring forward uh, David Weiss, of course, the U.S. attorney in Delaware who presided over that ridiculous investigation of Hunter Biden, which ended up with that soft plea deal, which collapsed. And now he's been made special counsel. He'll be called in to answer why his investigation that went on for five years was so uh, failed so miserably to bring anyone to account. Um, and so that's something. And then also James Comer is looking for more bank accounts more bank records. When he gets those in, he said he'll have as many as a dozen subpoenas to the Biden family and their various associates. And Judge Weinberg, you got a question for Miranda Devine. So Miranda, do you think uh, they lost momentum because of the, uh, the fight over the speakership and losing McCarthy? Or do you think they can make this up? Because it, the clock is running on this. Yes, it really is. And look, I think, yes, you, you can't say they didn't lose momentum, although they tell me that they kept working behind the scenes and certainly they have um, some sort of progress to show for that. Um, but they certainly lost um, momentum in terms of the narrative and it just allowed uh, people like Jamie Raskin and so on to, to say that they have their priorities wrong and that they're just too busy infighting and, um, you know, invading Hunter Biden's privacy and poor Hunter's a drug addict, you know, former drug addict, and they should leave him alone when it's nothing to do with any of that. It's to do with the president. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, it's going to be interesting to see what David Weiss says tomorrow, um, finally, after all this time. I want to know why David Weiss allowed the statute of limitations to run on the most serious crimes that implicate Joe Biden. That's the first question I would ask. Yeah, and also all Great the stuff question. that was tied to the Farah, the foreign lobbying, right. all of that all elapsed. That, of course. It was a deliberate, calculated scheme to let them off the hook. Absolutely. Miranda Devine, keep us posted. Let us know if there's any big bombshells tomorrow, please. Shall do. Thanks so much. Thank you, Miranda. And everybody stay with us. Bill O'Reilly's coming up next, and you know he always has some good scoops. He's mad as heck. We'll find out what it's about. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we're back here on Cats and Cosby. Bill O'Reilly, of course, is the mega best-selling author. His latest book is Killing the Witches, and you can hear him every night on WABC Radio. Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly, 9 to 10 p.m. And, uh, Bill, I know that you have been looking at all of these polls. I mean, there are some really surprising polls uh, that have really spelled bad news, I should say, for Joe Biden, because everybody thought, OK, it's a neck and neck race in some of these swing polls uh, in the swing states. Five of the six ones, uh, Biden is far behind, at least decently behind Trump. 
And now we've heard from David Axelrod and also James Carville just came out saying that these new polls showing Biden losing in swing states is, quote, a tipping point. Uh, you know this stuff so well, Bill. Your thoughts? Well, I spent uh, part of the day investigating uh, the New York Times poll uh, in conjunction with Siena College, which is uh, in the Albany area. And uh, it's devastating news to the Democratic Party, because remember, all the down tickets, Rita, will suffer if Biden loses this time next year. Remember, the, the election coming up fast, the primaries start in January, two months from now. So the polls basically said that Trump's pulling ahead in the uh, in five out of six swing states. And uh, if he were to win those states and win the ones that he uh, won last time, he'd win the election. So what's going to happen now is the Democratic Party's got a two-pronged strategy. Number one, you're going to see Biden between now and Christmas do very friendly interviews. Okay, so they'll, they won't put him on anyone who's going to challenge him, and he'll tell you uh, how great the economy is and how great he's doing in Israel and Ukraine, and so he'll do some media, friendly media. And the second one is. Prepare for a new round of Trump scandals. What, um, what are they going to indict him? What, like another thirty times, Bill? <laughs> well, the documents and the dubious real estate isn't going to cut it anymore. Um, and and so they're going to have to get personal, Rita, in this, and they'll trot out some people. You wait and see. Wow. Where, what do you think this is headed? That's really interesting. You've piqued our interest, Bill. Where, what do you think is is ahead? Oh, I'm not going to speculate. That would be irresponsible. But the game plan is, if you are losing, that you have to then drop bonds. And in the Trump precincts, it's not hard to find people to accuse the former president of whatever has to be personal, though. I also expect Robert Hur, the special counsel in the Biden documents investigation, to completely exonerate Biden shortly, therefore leaving Trump to stand federal trial on essentially the same charges. With one caveat that the archives asked Trump to return everything and he didn't, whereas the Biden people say as soon as we were asked, we did. I'm not I don't know. But that could be the difference. But anyway, um, expect Biden to be cleared, expect new personal accusations against Trump and expect to see Biden on friendly media venues. Wow. As if they haven't been friendly already. Uh, John Katsimatidis, your question for Bill. Well, it's not a question. uh, I I am scared for Donald Trump because they've tried everything against him. And I can never forget what happened in our country uh, during 1963 with uh, John Kennedy and then later on with Robert Kennedy. Well, you know, they're denying RFK Jr. in a very strange situation with service protection. Biden will not afford him that, despite the fact that last week somebody tried to break into his house in Los Angeles. Um and it's so weird, and I can't find out why Biden won't. All Biden has to do is get give the guy Secret Service protection. He's got families, a long history. We need to protect him. Biden will not do that. Very strange. Very strange. Very strange. I mean, you know, 
I am scared for our country in this period of time. Well, as long as you're in South Carolina, John, you're okay. <laughs> if you're coming back, a civilized place. You know, what was amusing today uh, was Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, sitting in that courtroom for absolutely no reason whatsoever with the Trump he- uh, hearing today. Why was she there? Yeah. What? Bill, also, did you see the questioning by the judge? It was just so, it was like they wouldn't let Trump well, get a word in edgewise. He's going to be found guilty, but Trump knows that. Yeah, it's already preordained. You can tell. Yes, it's no doubt. But the reason that Ms. James sat there is that she wants to be governor. And this is her big political card. So people who deny this is a political case, they're not telling the truth. It is. Yeah, well, it looked like it was from the very, very start there. Well, Bill O'Reilly, thank you. Everybody's going to be tuning in tonight to uh, Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly. I do every night. And make sure you get his new latest big bestseller, Killing the Witches, Common Sense, 9 to 10 a.m. on WABC. Bill, thank you. Sure, Rita. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And, and John, Judge and Rudy, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and, and the American, American way. way. Thank you. And, John, we'll see you back from South Carolina, back to New York. Thank you. Safe travels. We love you, John. Everybody, pray for New York. Pray for America. And get out and vote. Vote tomorrow.